So on me, right? So it's on me and we're ready and Hello everybody and welcome to the second edition of the interim host with the actual host wrestling paradox podcast i am your boy chris slosson and this is the best looking podcaster ever okay well you know what do we have to do this again chris because we didn't talk about that i didn't know you were gonna you know i was putting you over and then you went over oh, i put myself over daddy hey that's why you're in the wrestling business. <laughs> business for yourself, bro. Uh, all right. So to get into it, uh, we're doing Brian Pillman. We brought you Owen Hart last week. This is the Brian Pillman episode. We are very excited. Owen Hart was good, but dude, uh, I think I needed a full day to uh, get reconstructive surgery on my jaw from putting it back after the Brian Pillman episode for sure. Before we he's, get to that, he's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. No, no question. Like super underrated, uh, talent wise. And then, uh, I mean, we'll so get into it. Well, <laughs> Dude, it's insane. And which is insane about the episode. Like you saw, you were just watching and you're like, this guy is the best ever, but everything else is crumbling, but he's the best fucking thing. Ever. Dude, it was nuts. But, uh, anyway, before we get into that, cause I'm, I clearly were already excited. Uh, M and J ecological. If you got pests, uh, iguanas, snakes, anything like that in your backyard and you want them out. M&J Ecological number 305-697-2258. Sorry, Marcus, it's been a week. I'll get your number <laughs> down in a couple weeks. Uh, M&J Ecological, 305-697-2258. I'll even do the graphic twice for you when we put <laughs> out the episode, Marcus. You're the man. And uh, always a shout out to my boys. Uh, my cousin's a wrestler there. I don't know if you know him. His name is Miami Mike. Very tough. Oh, that's where the that's where the resemblance comes from. I now I see yeah. it. I see it now. Yeah, CCW. Follow him on uh, on all our social media platforms. Coastal Championship Wrestling on Facebook. Twitter is CCWFL. Get your tickets, dude. That show is absolutely insane. And if you're not part of it, you should be because then you'll be like, uh, remember when you got older and you were like, you watch ECW documentaries. You're like, oh man, to be. I wish I was there. Yeah. Yep. Well, CCW not only provides you a school to be as good as Miami Mike, but it also provides you some quality, quality wrestling content in a time where that's not a thing anymore. So you want to check it out. If you're in the South Florida area, if you're in the Nashville area, August 28th, I believe, don't quote me on that, but August around that time, you're also going to want to be up there at Helios Granite for the, for, for the next Nashville show. Uh, if you are in the, Treasure Coast, that's what they call it up there. Uh, Port St. Lucie. Uh, Port St. Lucie. Go yep. to Port St. Lucie. <laughs> it's a great it's show. Patriot Games. Patriot Games. Patriot Games. Headbangers. Dude, so much. So much going on. You're here. forgetting. Uh, you're forgetting uh, June 19th, Summer Glory. Uh, so Fort Lauderdale. Yes, sir. Uh, indoor Action Park. You got the man, Mr. Get My Shit in Brian Cage. You know, but he might have to lose that because CCW is clearly becoming the get our shit in company because brother we are getting our shit in and it looks good to be a part of it uh so with no further ado dude i have so many things to say about however you want to unpack this episode dude it was absolutely incredible we had so many what ifs last episode with yep. owen hart and i this think this nut this number for brian pillman's what ifs 
surpasses it by mountains, leaps, bounds, <laughs> evil Knievel jumping over a river. You know, that's that's just such a talent that just fell by the wayside. Ruthless aggression, Brian Pillman. They would have, Vince McMahon would have had to sit down and just close the door. There would have been a day where Brian Pillman would have just had the best everything we wouldn't have wrestling would just shut down because you wouldn't have gotten better than that i don't know what a brian pillman fucking eddie guerrero ruthless aggression like angle would have looked like but i would have needed a colostomy bag at a very young age if i was watching that shit dude like the the possibilities are endless like you say but dude but it's not even like the it's not even like we we were shorted uh, amazingness while he was alive because clearly we weren't he was fucking amazing and uh, super um, I, I don't know maybe do you think uh, do you think he's one of those talents where guys our generation and up are, are still really appreciative of and uh, I think the uh, what are they, they call this the universe generation but I feel like it's the network generation so really you're only going and diving into to old stuff if somebody tells you or, or you're not really appreciating uh, I feel like Brian Pillman had you had to be watching weekly to really appreciate how uh, real he made things seem. Well, you also have to realize that in the early 90s, 80, late 80s, early 90s, when he was coming up in the NWA, WCW era, that was around the time of like Jim Hurd. And who was the other guy that owned WCW at the time where he outlawed, you know, jumping over the top rope? Uh, I mean, that was the, that was the Bill Watts era, right? <laughs> Bill, yeah. Um, so Brian Pillman kind of went against that because what was his finishing move? It was the flying crossbody. Yeah. You know, he innovated. He was the CM Punk of like 2008 to 2017 CM Punk in the 80s and 90s. Like he was, he didn't care. He wanted to perform for the fans. Well, you know what? That that was actually mentioned uh, at a part in the documentary because, uh, you mentioned the CM Punk thing and how much heat CM Punk has even with wrestling fans, like legit heat, like a, like a, like a Stephanie McMahon heater where, where it transcends the actual product where you're like, Oh, fuck that guy. Cause of, cause of who he was guys were, I mean, you didn't guys now, like somebody, I forget who it was that said it, but uh, they were like, well, guys now like our age, like to be like, Oh, Brian Pillow is the best ever. But if you were watching as a kid, you absolutely despise that guy. And mm-hmm. just even more of a credit to, how good he was and how ahead of his time he was oh yeah i mean like he was such a mastermind of the business not and that was with him not being in the business for so long i mean look who he, who he had matches with he had matches with rick flair also sided with rick flair he had matches against arn anderson sided with arn anderson so it was like he was accustomed to greatness and during that time you didn't see young guys get pulled into the greatness that often. No, 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 no. And it was special when you did. And you look at all the guys that did, like, because uh, you mentioned Ric Flair and Arn, and those guys really only, because uh, this was a time when their locker room was was so competitive, but, like, in a different, like, because uh, Stone Cold mentions it, too, when he when he's forced to tag with him, where he's like, I wasn't happy. Like, I wanted to do my, like, people were very much into, you're not taking my spot, whatever. So mm-hmm. I'm holding his truth. And Ric Flair, I mean, Ric Flair is Ric Flair, so you can guarantee that Ric Flair was the best at playing that game. So for a guy like Rick or even Arn, who fucking in 2021 still kayfabe shit, like <laughs> you can imagine being told, Arn answered being told, hey, work with this kid real quick and make him look good. Like, dude, 
who is this kid? Why he looks better than me? He's younger than me, so why the fuck would I do that? So like, uh, so dude, in a time for them to grab him, and you look at other guys that they did that with, which uh, Sting is the obvious one because Ric Flair uh, had so many programs with Sting, and they're all amazing. Uh, because people didn't do that really with with Steve Austin. Steve Austin worked with Steamboat a little bit here and there, and and had some had some because I think Dusty liked him, but uh, but uh, dude, guys, young guys that we look at as legends were not getting picked or agreed to work with Ric Flair on a random TV. Like, dude, that just didn't happen. Yeah, you you touched on it about um, Stone Cold, um, a stunning Steve. Yeah. Uh, my theory on that, why they got paired up together, is I think they wanted to pair him up to get him unhappy so they didn't get over, so that was, they have him a reason to fire him, you know, and everything. But, but those two personas put together to make up the Hollywood blondes, it electrified it, it they you wanted to hate them but you had to like them right they were very much uh i mean uh they mentioned in the documentary as well like dx they were very much that dx um what are these guys doing i don't like it it's different but dude they look good doing it they look badass like they're the epitome of, of what like a badass like a like an anti-hero is supposed to be in a time where it was more yin and yang it was just bad or good there was no like tweeners or like anything like that and um yeah dude it's it's crazy like you think about uh and and it was crazy to me that that steve austin mentions that all that stuff a lot of the stuff for the character and stuff was was brian's idea because uh, yeah, that, that, that was, was so gnarly to me too that was so gnarly to me like, like, for that, like because like because like now in 2021 we know the mind that stone cold has for this business and i was going to mention that stone cold grew up wanting to be a wrestler Mm-hmm. Brian Pillman is one of those guys. Brian Pillman and that strength coach could not be more wrestling business than the wrestling. So carny, so carny. But they had no, they never had <laughs> never knew anything about wrestling. Like Brian just fell into it, and it's just, dude, those two personalities are so fit for the business, but they weren't really like if you think about it, they weren't. That wasn't what they thought they were gonna do right it's nuts so like brian comes up with all these ideas that we look at today that are amazing and none of those were stone cold's ideas like the the chain the the, yeah. the, and the chain, stone cold wore that for the dude you remember like attitude era steve austin you just you, the vest you no shirt chain chain dude i think that was the one that that brian gave him i, I, I believe so too yes but it just it just blew my mind like you were saying is he Brian Pillman came up with all these ideas, just driving. And I think it caught Steve off guard because you can see that when he was talking about it in this in this episode, he, it, you see he was taken back by it. He was just like, oh, well, well I guess you're right. You know, like, you know, and it, it, it was such a crazy transformation though uh, before they were tag teams because Brian Pillman put Z Cavaricci pants on the on the map. Like he put he put the 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 the, the bangle print pants on the map. And then all of a sudden they get tagged, they get put together, and it's just this cam this this character just turned all the way up. You don't miss it. You don't miss because he always had the greatest gear ever in his singles run. It was Mm -hmm. it was different. He obviously had a different look, but uh and then the tag team look is a completely different they had to 
Mm -hmm. which was smarter on Brian's part, dude. Like he didn't bring Stone Cold down by doing his thing. And then Stone Cold had to come up to him. They started looking like, dude, fucking just uh, being like around wrestling and and it just clicks in your head how, uh, how genius these ideas and like psychologically, like why, like, dude, so rare that that's a thing. Yeah, and, and and just how they played off each other, like with their char- charisma and everything like that. The whole movie camera thing, you know, and everything like that. You didn't see that. You never saw taunting like that in a tag team. I mean, you know, Butch Reed and, and Ron Simmons didn't do that. You know, um, you, you, you never saw that kind of charisma. Like, uh, even like uh, Arn and uh, the Andersons or, or any horseman combination of tag teams. They were attitude-y. They, they were badass, but you never saw that. They were still like, uh, they were still very much into making themselves seem like uh, these these are athletes that are come out here and they're going to fucking mm-hmm. match, basically. Yeah, it's like transcended the tag team wrestling division because it gave the teams personalities. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. uh, I had mentioned uh, <clears throat> recently, uh, I was watching Spoken Man stuff yesterday and it's very... Uh, very two guys, you know, competition. Like it's it's two guys in these competitions, and, and you kind of let the match speak for itself. They usually have a manager. Like you think about it, they didn't have. It was just them going mm-hmm. on and doing their thing, and it became. Uh, I think it was really the start of like the flashy, badass tag teams. Yeah, you know, not yeah for sure. Um, the tag team also, their tag team together also could have been the detriment of their um, run in WCW because. Once, you know, the people that were out with injuries came back and then they got tagged up and everything like that. Those are bigger names. Those are bigger draws. And we go back to, yeah, who are these young guys? I don't care how good they look. I'm here now. I've been here longer. Like, screw them. Well, because they said it in the documentary. It was um, Arn and Rick versus the Hollywood Blondes. And I guess they didn't have a good match. Yeah, yeah. it didn't... didn't, uh... In yeah. or something like that they didn't really draw it and uh and i feel like uh but like that happens so much and mm-hmm. like back then like now it's a little easier to really really like analyze who doesn't draw and who doesn't but like they were hitting so many towns mm-hmm. back in the day like did you did you not just were off nights blamed on the boys like or was it just blamed on fucking podunk fucking poughkeepsie yeah, yeah, like wherever the fuck you're at that night that there was like one tractor flipped over on the one road they had to get to the gig. Like, I don't know. I like I felt like I feel like today that's more that's more of a justified argument than back in the day when they were on the road all the time. Oh yeah, for sure. It's and um, it, it, you know, it's it's kind of hard to put into words what I'm what I'm trying to say. It's they had the bad match with Rick. And with Arn, and I touched on earlier saying that maybe they were put together to get them fired, to not draw. They have one bad match, and, and it's like, they, that's it. It is. Yeah. Yep. They, they can't hold their work. They can't hold the work that we're giving them, you know, and everything like that. Just that one bad employee. Oh, they're late? Oh, sick. Call them into my mm-hmm. office. They're, they're yeah. done now. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it leads to their firing. And what happens next between both of these guys? I know we're not talking about a Stone Cold episode, but transcended the wrestling business. Yeah. They go to an obs- in the mid-90s, an obsolete company, only a regional company. Yeah. 
they work for the said company that worked for ECW for what I think it was like a month, two months. Yeah. Cut cut the most hellacious promos ever. Yeah. And get hired for to the WWF yeah. without without touching anybody in ECW. Well, doesn't who gets who gets hired first? Because because uh, Stone Cold gets hired first. I think Stone Cold leaves first too, right? Because he mm-hmm. leaves first, and then uh, Brian uh, Pillman does the the thing with Bobby Heenan, mm-hmm. which is also fucking genius. Just that, like, I have a match. They they know I'm gonna go out there for a match. I know this guy's a real human being. He's gonna do something. That's how, dude. All of that. All of that and uh, the working the boys thing and uh, this will this will be a topic that is uh, very dear to my heart because there's uh, you can't find a modern wrestling podcast or a modern wrestling show with maybe like a guy from from back in the day back in the heyday of the business <clears throat> Jim Cornette uh, talking. Oh, about- I forgot my tennis racket. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Can you get your goofy uh, tennis racket that'll make the business seem uh, seem cartoonish? Uh, yeah, let me go get the cuckold off my wife. Hold on one second. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's <laughs> get that, uh, and then, uh, and then we'll kill. The, we'll tell everybody else they're killing the business. Like hmm. uh, that was uh, that was that was that was a big point for me. I remembered that. Like I was like, so he's a genius. I mean, he is. That's great. Mm-hmm. I love it. But what what is the difference between that and pulling the veil you know like what am i supposed to think there that clearly wasn't part of the show especially in what 94 95 when bobby Heenan said what the fuck are you doing on 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 southern television dude Mm -hmm. that's absolutely not part of the show you don't need to be a mathematician to tell you and and what what blew my mind was nobody knew Mm -hmm. nobody knew and Pillman just went over and started messing with Heenan. Knew Heenan had a broken neck, was recovering from having neck surgery, and Heenan just snapped. Heenan, again, that's something else you never saw in the wrestling business. You never saw wrestlers interact with announcers during a match. Pushing buttons like that was something yeah. that uh, when people talk about like why, like how great it was that the Attitude Era came to be. That was the same thing, dude. That was pissed off guys fuck like taking their little shots sunny days well, mm-hmm. I forget the other ones but on live television where, where you have a live mic still and not everything scripted and that's just dude that that was all brian pillman that was, the genesis of that was fucking brian pillman and that scene was also the point in the documentary where i got legit sad for like three minutes that that strength and conditioning coach is not part of the wrestling business yeah i was like this guy is amazing He's like, fuck him. Do whatever you want. He goes, Brian, what are we ultimately getting the wrestling business for? To make money. Yeah. yeah, yeah go go back to this Eric Bischoff and ask for more money. Yeah. He's hold. He, here we go. You ready for this analogy? Brian Pillman was Jeff Jarrett before Jeff Jarrett was Jeff Jarrett. There's there's so much that Brian <laughs> not credited for. And I feel like this strength and conditioning coach should be discussed for the Hall of Fame eventually, just for the fucking interview. Because he's, he's gonna get in the cauliflower alley club and he's not didn't even him. have a match. <laughs> Dude, amazing. Yeah, like nuts. And then he does that and he he gets what he wants. And then he realizes like I half think, because we obviously all know how, how this story goes, I, I half think, and usually this is how it goes, same thing with Shawn Michaels, same, same thing with a lot of the guys that, that go down this route, 
I feel like that was half. He he knew what he was doing, but it also it also fucked him over because then mm -hmm. how do you top? Like if one of the last things he did was make Bobby Heenan say fuck on television, or like one of the last things he did was uh was was the the gun thing, but like, dude, where do you go? The first thing in that character is Bobby Heenan saying what the fuck. People are shitting their pants. Like, and then you go on ECW and you, you ramp it up even more. Oh. And then you his, get on his original promo in ECW was by far one of the best promos. Besides the pipe bomb, it was probably one of the best promos. Because I also uh regard Shane Douglas's uh you can kiss my ass one as one of the he throws down the title, yeah. Throws down the title. But this one, the intensity, the the realness behind realness, it. Shane yep. Douglas had realness behind it too, but I feel like this had more. Like is it was yeah, dude. Crazy. You know what you know what blew my mind is you talk about Jim Cornette and how he was in this documentary. He was like a really big presence in the documentary too. I was very surprised that he wanted to be in this documentary because even though it is Brian Pillman, but it has been documented that Brian Pillman and his strength and conditioning coach coach was um feeding information to these dirt sheet writers to the Dave yeah. Meltzers to, you know and it, it just blew my mind that the, the connection that Brian Pillman and Dave Meltzer had but then but that was also good too because then he cuts Dave off yeah he says he didn't know that shit yeah it, it just like you know and you know just going back to to Eric Bischoff incident where he played eric bischoff like oh yeah it's a storyline you know it's a storyline this that you know oh okay i'll fire you that one that one i felt because dude you never know with eric bischoff you even listen to him speak and you're like what's going on in your mind but uh because he's snarky he's snarky, snarky but he's been caught enough times where he just will blatantly lie yeah oh yeah and uh and that's the rep he has so i was like because that's what I was waiting for. I was waiting for Brian's side and the strength and conditioning coach being like, dude, ask him ask him for your release. That's ridiculous, right? Like, he's not going to do that. They thought he wasn't going to do that because Eric Bischoff is who Eric Bischoff... Like, Eric Bischoff is not an idiot. Right. So, like, I was waiting for the cut to the Eric Bischoff interview, and there was going to be, like... Because because I, I think Eric Bischoff plays with the truth because, because A, I, I don't know if he wants to or it's just something he does. But I think he plays with the truth because he wants to feel like he's he's doing that. He, Still he, in charge. Yep. Playing with the boys too. So like, I was waiting for Eric Bischoff to be like, "Look, I I gave him the release because this is insane," and then I release him. We do something with it, and then whether he comes back or not, I do this. Like, because they were all about just fucking like chop chop blocking the competition or like mm -hmm. doing these these uh more so than the wwf at the time i think when it got later and later in wcw's run that, that is when vince finally like started being okay with like like sh shooting back on them but uh but at that time eric bischoff was the one like let's fuck with these guys a little bit so mm -hmm. i was waiting for a, but like you're just telling me eric bischoff got played it was, it was so weird to me yeah i was just, that was i was like like I mean, but again, it could go back to they wanted him gone anyways. Right. Even though the loose cannon was was coming up, you know, and it was skyrocketing, 
I think they wanted him gone because he wasn't a Ric Flair. He wasn't a Arn Anderson. And also, I mean, quite frankly, he wasn't a Chris Benoit or Dean Malenko. No, 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 no. no but he could, uh, he, he could put a match together with what he knew how to do. Yeah. Which yeah. is also the mark of a great guy because you look at a lot of the people that are regarded as Hall of Famers as they're working with what they got. Like, well, if you look, if you look at it though, when once Bischoff took over, he had those ties with New Japan, All Japan, you know, and everything like that. So you had and AAA, you had Juventud Guerrero come in, you had Dean Malenko, you had Rey Mysterio, and all that. Where would have here's the first what if for the show? If Brian would have stayed, where would he have fit into the, that puzzle? Yeah. You see, you know, so it's almost like it's Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. You know, I can agree with Eric Bischoff, like, oh, yeah, we'll bring him back, you know, this, that, and the other. It'll be a story, this, that, and the other. But then the evil is like, well, it's less salary. Like, yeah, we don't, we, we won't have anything. You know, it's because, I mean, look at the time frame. Like, right when he left, it was like 95, 96. Yeah. Um, you had Hooventude Greer, you had Psychosis, you had, uh, Ray Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Chris Jericho. Where would Brian Pillman fit into that? I think uh, I, I agree. I completely agree with you. Um, I think that there was an, uh, I don't know, because I don't think it ever really happened, but I, I, I also, I, I do agree that I don't think that, um, I think that would have been too much of a clash of styles and too much of uh, Brian not growing up wanting to be in the business to where he can adapt to that. Because you look at guys like uh, I brought up Shawn Michaels a couple times in this one, but the the, the personality kind of uh, is parallel. Uh, oh yeah, Shawn Michaels grew up wanting to be a wrestler. He's still an American guy. He played football. He's an American wrestler, super athletic. But I feel like you put six one ninety six Shawn Michaels in there with Hoovy, and it's a five star match. But I feel like Brian, it's a little bit more. It has to be a little bit more storyline, a little bit more Gaga, if you will. A little bit more so and you know what i was gonna say about the new japan thing definitely not uh triple a i don't i don't think triple a ever even looked at him as a as a possibility and uh in in japan it was it was all japan at the time like new japan was running too but uh but that time for japan wasn't as um i feel like new japan now even a little bit of all japan is uh more uh, the Japanese guys have embraced the gimmicky, uh, still have amazing matches, but more uh, elaborate presentation. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like Brian Pillman, New Japan now oh. is the U.S. champ or some shit with Moxley and tearing down the house. But like, and obviously, barring his injuries and all that shit, he probably wouldn't have even been working today. But like, can you imagine, can you imagine right now, 95, 96, Brian Pillman going against Rocky Romero? in new japan dude yeah it would be it would be insane like it was just it would be nuts so but but back then I, I feel like that wasn't a viable option either and i don't know i i don't uh it's interesting uh we brought up that stone cold was already gone so like do you think that because they saw because stone cold was also kind of doing that with ecw when he got there mm-hmm. he was fucking riffing he was insulting everybody he was coming out to fucking talking shit and just letting loose and uh he dressed up like hulk hogan yeah that's one of my favorite ones yeah <laughs> when people dress up like hulk hogan it's my favorite thing when Shawn michaels did that for the SummerSlam one one of the funniest things i've ever seen but um so do you think that it was because of that that they looked at it and and the guys in creative or, or the bookers in wcw were like 
this isn't going to go anywhere. Like, he's just going to do this. Like, where does this go from here? Like, I think they saw it ahead of time to where, like, he's just got to do more of that. And we're not going to do more of that. So Mm -hmm. what do we do with it? It was kind of like, they're like, well, you see what he did over there in that syndicated TV show, you know, that wrestling show? He's never going to get over. Oh, Brian's going to follow his footsteps. It'd be, let him go. Let him go. No, yeah. And then, and then that, even more, like uh, back then in the wrestling business, especially if somebody already is doing something like that. Dude, like the 90s were riddled with comparisons, especially because you had the two brands. So, like, I feel like they were like, he's going to do that again. Then what mm-hmm. do we have? You know, like they're just going to turn to the other channel. Like, yeah. did you imagine? Well, I got another what if. I got another one. Fuck. Uh, I just thought of it right now. Uh, if Brian Pillman is the third man. Oh, but he wasn't, a, he wasn't a huge face, but I feel like if he was the third man still, I feel like there's still, or even because that, that coincides with the timeline of him leaving. So I feel like if there was uh, this, this is just straight up fantasy booking now, but like if Eric Bischoff lets him go. And then, starts collecting the ideas for the NWO and then that's his return. And then they beat the shit. Like maybe Hogan comes out to save macho. And then there's a, there's a, like, that's the start of the NWO. I don't feel like it would have started out with as much heat, but I feel like the NWO stuff could have went, would have, would have went downhill less fast. Okay. If Brian Pillman slower was- is the word, by the way. Yes, I'm from Florida, you know, uh, so I feel like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a, like, I feel like if Brian Pillman is in there with, with Nash and Hall, even though Nash and Hall are just trying to do st- like wherever they see the money, they, they kind of like, and, and obviously they're getting older. So they were, they were trying to do easier shit. But if you have like a workhorse, like Brian was, I feel like there's less members in the NWO, not as, not as quickly the fucking there's less. Did I say that wrong too? There, there's less members in the NWO. There's maybe you get to like 99 and then you start bringing in when you're running out of story shit to do. But like, I think, and like staying in Pillman, like I, I think, uh, cause even, even, even Pillman, uh, somebody said that, that Pillman said that to them is where he saw himself as a WCW guy because he knew he couldn't get over in WWF because it's the land of the giants. And again, the same thing I said about stone cold is that there's Shawn Michaels is already doing the small man. I'm awesome. I'm beating all these big guys things. So why have another? You know, like he, I, I think he was smart enough to know that he wasn't going to get that spot. Right. So I, think- I, I have to agree with you on the whole Brian Pullman NWO. I wouldn't have had him as the third member, though. I would have had him as a fourth. Instead of six? Or no, six was the sixth member, but instead yeah. of like, you take that Sean Waltman spot. Yeah. Um, I would have had, and I would also wouldn't have had Hogan as the first one. Well, that's I, what I'm saying. Like, I feel like Hogan, all those guys were, were in there, you know, heading towards easier easier matches less time less time in the ring so like i feel like that would have changed the dynamic it would have made it even more badass that they actually had like a guy they could sick on guys like like sean waltman that could fucking work and like make it seem like even more legitimate than just big dudes coming in and beating the shit out of people that was my biggest complaint about the nwo is hogan was the mystery member i would have had i mean i know originally it was supposed to be sting everyone knows that I would have had Macho Man be the original one. Then you could have had Macho versus Hogan. You know, then you bring Pillman in. You could have Sting versus Pillman. 
Then you could have had Macho and Pillman versus Sting and Hogan in a tag match. You know, it could have been intertwined. I just think, because once Hogan got in there, I mean, how many matches did he have a year? Dude, only on pay-per-views. He got paid extra for the pay-per-views, so you make sure you got a pay-per-view match. To where Macho, Macho would wrestle on, you know, uh, was it uh, Saturday Night Main Event? Yeah, Macho Man was clearly like, "Let me go, brother. I'm still, yeah. like, I'm still 22 years old." And it was well, because like, he had a, he had a point to prove to yeah. Vince, because Vince said that he wasn't going to be able to work anymore. He was only going to be an announcer. And that if see if I was Bischoff, I would have used that to my advantage. Like, no, this is going to be my mainstay guy of the heel faction. I no, I I like that. I I think it's uh, and then you have because people talk about. Now we're sidetracked, but people talk about Sting and how, like, I mean, that Crow Sting is amazing, and it, and it holds an amazing part in my childhood, like, it just great Nitro episodes. I was a huge WCW fan. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for the world, but I feel like in your scenario, if you keep Sting as Surfer Sting, but you kind of reinvent the character to modernize it a little bit with Hulk Hogan kind of modernizing himself, but as a face still... I feel like that could have been. I feel like that could have given given Sting a couple more years. I also feel like that could have given WCW a couple more years because when they really went down, they couldn't rely on those guys, and that's what they relied on. Mm-hmm. Once they started booking, I mean, people complained that they never booked other people, but when they did, it was such shit that it was like, well, why book other people? You know, like right. I mean, do you really want to see a, a um, Ernest Miller Glacier match? Absolutely not. And also, I remember because I was a huge Buff Bagwell fan as a kid. Because I thought it was I'm sorry. No, I, I I love the blockbuster. I think it's a great move. Uh, it was a it was an innovative move. And uh, 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 fucking, but uh, I feel like I remember because when all that when when '99 happened and everybody started leaving and everything started going to shit, they tried to push Buff. And like you had like maybe like I was maybe like five percent of fans because I I remember getting that same reaction as a child too like why are you above the <laughs> so like so I feel like they pushed them and then the crowd and then it's just shit and the crowd turns on like that's why they didn't push other people dude. yeah the crowd went mild real fast yeah. Yeah. when Buff came out I mean but I <laughs> and I think you know I think me and Conrad Thompson are the only two that liked Buff Bagwell as the American males. Oh, but that was, that was a good tag team. Yeah. That, that was, that was their, uh, I feel like, cause I was going to say this when we were talking about, uh, uh, uh flying Brian and, and stunning Steve is, uh, I felt like that tag team forced other tag teams to be a little flashier. Mm-hmm. Really at the time, the most flashy tag team that was, that you saw in WCW was, was free birds and, and, and like dynamic dudes were not over. They were fl- they tried to be flashy, but they were not over. <laughs> they came in the ring in surfboards. Dude, there's a uh there's this will be the last thing that we get sidetracked with, but there's a clash of champions where they come out and they're not over. And they, their thing was like to pick a kid up and like give him a surfboard or like a skateboard and like take a picture and whatever. And they like they picked this kid. And whoever this kid is, I hope he's still a wrestling fan. I hope he's an adult that likes other adults like us bullshitting about wrestling. But he was, he liked to eat. Uh, so oh, he, he was a bigger dude. He was a big and, and, uh, and All right, let's just go. Well, okay. Well, for the rest of the sake of the story, let's just call him Joe. Okay, sure. Okay. So they go to pick up Joe. And Shane Douglas tries to pick up Joe. 
and and he's struggling a little bit. So John Laurinaitis comes and fucking moves him. And this kid is not happy. Joe was having a bad day. Joe wanted to get picked up by Jim Cornette, but it wasn't happening. So he, he Joe got turned away at the meet and greet from Jim Cornette. And he was he was so this kid is just sitting there just pouting. And they're taking a picture with him. And then they have to struggle to put him back over. I had to rewind it so many times. I dying, dude. Like, yeah, those are just dude, like nobody can do it's, the point I'm making is that like once you have like such a like a tag team that changes things so much, we're like, really, dude, like you watch them come out and it's flawless. I'll say Shawn Michaels again. You watch Shawn Michaels' entrances. Nobody ever talks about entrances, but you watch that guy come out to the ring. I don't need to see the match. I know he wants to kick somebody's ass, but he's mm-hmm. gonna have fun doing it. I don't need to see the match with the with, with a, uh, the Hollywood Blondes. I know they're gonna come out to the ring. They're badass. They're talking shit. They're in the fucking camera. They're like, dude, just all their shit looked seamless, mm-hmm. nuts, and the same. Same with Brian's promo in ECW. Same with Steve's transition. I felt like Steve was also very graceful in taking all these shit gimmicks and finally finding that one and making it. I feel like both those guys, and now just speaking about it out loud, because we're, we're on this part of the story where, where they're both uh, going to WWF. I feel like now that I've seen that documentary, I kind of, you, you see that all those ideas were Brian's and, and, and Steve was picking Brian's brain. It's almost like Steve fucking learned from Pillman, who's not a wrestling guy, how to fucking make his shit work so well that he became the next, like he's, I mean, he's obviously, he surpassed a lot of things. Like the rock is rock, but there's still, there's stone, they go up and down like stocks, the stone cold yeah. and like, it, it, and it's you know you you said that and it's like they um it was like almost like Brian mentored Stone Cold right and Steve a lot um and I mean their run well, I mean once they get into the WWF you know Stone Cold goes on to you know as a ringmaster then he goes on and he wins the King of the Ring which I think that was great by the way because ringmaster king you know King of the Ring then after that Brian comes in and they immediately immediately they work together yeah yeah you and know? that was that was smart too because that was in uh that was wwf uh making it obvious that you're like they're it's like they back then they never acknowledged the companies verbally but you could tell they're like well that's what people want to see right that's what like so and they have that uh they showed in the documentary where they first come in and like they're staring at each other and there's you can, I mean, I was watching the documentary. It wasn't even the show I was watching. And it's like 20 something years later. I was like, this is awesome. I would watch this show right now. Like, yeah. And then you get, you know, you know, they work that, then they have the angle with the gun, you know, which transcended TV, wrestling TV. I uh, love that segment so much. It's, it's tailor made for a redneck kid from South Florida. You know what's crazy is that wasn't it's even, cute. That, that, didn't, <laughs> that didn't even end the show, by the way. No, 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 no. Everyone forgets that. It didn't end the show. It didn't end the show. Everybody was freaking out about it. And like it's just two guys doing and uh I heard this story. I don't know how much of it is uh I heard it on Bruce Fritcher's podcast, but uh but I but I love that uh, I love thinking about this when they show that. Is that uh I guess 
they they only they kind of let them do their thing they they had a vague idea for what they were going to do and and oh sorry i have to backtrack i love austin 316 is going to meet brian billen nine millimeter and he just pulls it out i don't know dude it's so fucking good but uh that glass he shoot bro they didn't change the glass on his door so it was real, like it's a door for a house. It's got to meet code. It's got to, somebody just can't <laughs> their glass. So like, dude, he, they don't tell neighbors. <laughs> neighbors are just hearing a large buff redneck man fucking just wailing <laughs> on somebody's door and somebody's screaming, he has a gun, he has a gun. And dude, uh, also it's the, the breaking of the door Brian Pillman saying Brian Pillman nine millimeter and and Kevin Kelly reacting to it is so oh my god oh my <laughs> you know what's great though it more real because it was so shitty but like you felt like he was just so shocked that he didn't know what to do <laughs> you know what's great is you you those are your fun you know your memories of that segment my two memories are Brian Pillman's security guard standing out front and Stone Cold throwing him, throwing one of them in a kiddie pool. So they also don't know that's happening. So some, so a man is physically assaulting someone <laughs> in somebody's backyard. He throws him in a kiddie pool. And I think it was like, wasn't it like mid-February in Ohio? No, so, super cool. so it had to be like 30 degrees. They're in windbreakers. And there's all, just a kiddie pool full of water. He just throws him in i was like i that's the my like i love the whole segment i remember the whole segment There's but so that's the key people. points like that's the key points like these two fat security guards are standing out front of his house <laughs> thrown in a kiddie pool there's a i forget the promotion but there is a uh there's a, a japanese wrestler with a gimmick where he pulls out a gun but they work it to where like he pulls out a gun and then somebody else pulls out a gun then somebody else pulls out again, and then they fucking start grappling again, and it's like back to normal. Well, I know we're, I'm, we're gonna get off. We're gonna get off topic about this, but I, it's just fresh in my brain because I watched it yesterday on YouTube in 2016 or 17. I think it was 17. Um, the there was a wrestling promotion that started up. It was called um, what was it uh, uh Blackcraft Championship Wrestling. It was uh, Black Blackcraft. Blackcraft uh, was a clothing company that, like, all like the deathmatch wrestlers bought, you know, and everything like that. And um, it was, you know, it was put together by these two guys. Um, they had Matt Justice was was on there. G. Raver was on there. Uh, you had a whole bunch of other people. <laughs> they had this. They had a commissioner, right, owner of the company was um, this gentleman by the name of Doug Bradley. Doug Bradley, if you're a horror flick uh, fan, was Pinhead. Oh, sick. Okay. That's why I was like, I, I was like, I know that name. Yes. So they go and, you know, blah, blah, blah. They, they had the best uh, month uh, like promos for Matt Justice because the preacher, the Doug, uh, Doug Bradley was a preacher that owned the company. And... Um, the preacher wanted Matt Justice to join his cult. So they kept showing up to these independent like wrestling matches. And the last one is Justice is laying in the ring and they fold up the mat around them and they take them. So they get to 
they have a great first show sold out it's in pittsburgh in this old fucking like gothic church uh pages uh, mom wrestled uh, against Britt baker yeah bro it was like insane then they go for wrestlemania weekend <laughs> And in 2017. Just mom wrestles? Yes, you, Soraya Knight. Oh, wow. Um, so they go to WrestleMania weekend, and it was supposed to be. Shit, I can't remember. Um, I think it was Matt Justice Open Challenge or John, John Morrison Open Challenge or whatever for the belt. <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't. It was. Okay, yeah, I'm just gonna get you fuck off fucked up on on the story, but the one owner was like, Oh, for the open challenge match, I got an idea. Oh, it was PCO. It was PCO. For PCO's open challenge match, I have an idea. And they're like, shoot, yeah, go ahead. And he goes, Yep, shoot is the word. We bring in New Jack. PCO no sells all of his moves. New Jack gets pissed, pulls a gun out pointed at, at PCO and have the special effects where the gun actually fires and shoots a muzzle round and PCO has like animatronics where he starts bleeding. Oh like the, the pop things that they yes. do? Yes. And and um, New Jack go for the cover and PCO kick out. <laughs> I was like what I gotta send you that documentary. It was probably one of the best wrestling documentaries I've ever seen. Please do because and I, I can actually tie this in with Brian Pillman and why I like guys like this so much. Why I like Bowen so much. Why I like a lot of the guys I like are based off of uh, these guys come from legit backgrounds. Brian Pillman came from the dungeon. Owen came from the dungeon. Fucking, but they had fucking sense of humor, dude. Like you get in that environment and like especially back then. Like I can't even imagine. Like, like being in and out of the locker rooms now, like you hear from veterans and stuff, how, how night and day it is, but I can't imagine being in that locker room. So you just have to, dude, you have to fucking have some fun, dude. Like I'm the biggest proponent of, that's why I love that idea of killing the business. I am all about the fucking 60 minute broadways. I am all about the fucking funks and the NW. I love watching that shit. I -hmm. got into wrestling when I was very young because I came from a family that watched a lot of sports. So wrestling and WCW and NWA and, and, and all that stuff was like a sport, dude. Like no top, like rules and, and fucking nobody was a, a, nobody worked on a dump truck. Nobody was a goon. Like there was no, like, that's why I got real. Bill Irwin, Bill Irwin, the goon. Oh, come on. His wrestling boots were, were ice skates. Dude. And he would drop the gloves when he did his fucking thing. But, uh, but, um, but dude, uh, you like have fun with it. That's also the part of the reason why I started really, really liking wrestling. It's because it was sports, but you can have fucking fun with it. And like that shit is fun. Like it has its place. I'm not saying doing that, do that at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying disrespect certain people. I'm not saying, but when the parties involved are down to, especially now when like, uh, I hated when, uh, when like i forget what year it started but it was it was after i feel like it was after 2010 because i i kind of took a break in like 08 09 because it was just getting really bad and then when i was in college i would peek in here and there and i would watch a pay-per-view with my brother and they would do the fucking title matches first or they would throw it on and i was just like don't do that 
Why the fuck <laughs> did you do that? And because because I'm a huge Triple H guy, and I remember everything Triple H was like, that goes last. That mm-hmm. it shits on everybody. It shits on Ric Flair. It shits on Dory. It shits on Terry. It shits on like there's places for that, but I hate the absolute just stonewall don't do any of that shit dude that shit's hilarious kicking out dude especially in 20 when you say 2016 man absolutely do that in 2016 if you do it in 1992 okay i get it but like like there's there's things to do in nine they did stuff in 1992 that was ridiculous too like i mean if you watch anything from the 80s boogie woogie man like that's fucking absurd like there's 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 places for it obviously you 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 say boogie woogie man jimmy valiant he just had his final match. It was like 60 or 57 years or 58 years in the wrestling business. And he just had his final match. It was a steel cage match. Yeah, of course it was. Did he wear a <laughs> mask? <laughs> I, was like, I, I saw that on social media and I'm like, what? Why? Because those guys are insane, dude. Those guys are insane. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, uh, it's like you got guys like uh, you, you back to this uh, gun thing. That's absurd. But you said it didn't close the show. It was like, <laughs> hey, look at this crazy shit. These guys are because even at the time, like uh, Stone Cold wasn't having his title run. I think that was actually before the uh, yeah, was, IC title. It was before yeah, it was, the IC he title. He was regularly working, so he wasn't hurt, and he he was doing that with Brian. So that was. That was like, oh, I just watched Ahmed Johnson have a match. And now I'm going to watch, I don't want to, I want to switch over to WCW, but what's Brian Pillman going to do? Oh, he has a gun? Sick. I'm down. Like, (laughs) an Ahmed Johnson match. (laughs) Dude, come on. You watched 97. Like, I love how people regard 97 as their favorite year for WWF because it was really like the start of the Attitude Era. But you forget, like, I think even Joe made this point. We, 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 I, I, I made a joke about Joe earlier. That wasn't Joe at the Clash of Champions getting picked up by the Dynamics. It was just the kid named Joe. That looked like Joe. But, <laughs> but to, to, Joe's, to Joe's credit as an adult, uh, he said, fuck, that made me lose my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, uh, so anyway. Was Joe, oh, Ahmed Johnson. Ahmed Johnson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, dude, you watch the attitude. Oh, it's great. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, my God. But dude, no, it's not. It's it's really not. Like the main events are awesome. Some of the angles are awesome. But then you're watching DOA versus Ahmed Johnson. And then the next week you're watching Ahmed Johnson versus DOA. And you're like, please stop this. Please. please. Right. Why does WCW have such a huge roster? And I'm, I've watched more Ahmed Johnson matches this week than a fucking... <laughs> You're watching uh, Funaki and Takamichi Noku Chapa Chapi Pipi of Val Venus. Which is, which is also great, which is amazing. And that's one of my favorite sets <laughs> get too. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> and they're like, dude, yeah, the Attitude Era is nuts. And that was actually when it started becoming better. Like, I, that was like nine, late 98. So like... Mm-hmm. So like <laughs> I'm I'm just ragging on Ahmed Johnson at this point. Ahmed Johnson was gone, so it was better. He was Mr. T, wasn't he? Or it just T and WCW? Yeah, because they did the Harlem Heat 2000. Yeah, I think he looked like a 2000. Let's just say that he was way in 2000. They should do a Dark Side of the Ring for Harlem Heat 2000, not because anything controversial happened, but just <laughs> so bad. Give him more TV time. It's a never mind. They shouldn't do another. Dark <laughs> Uh, Harlem in 2000. 
Actually, Booker T, I think, had a... Oh, no, Booker T had his... Uh, but it wasn't wrestling. He grew up in a, uh, in a rough uh, upbringing. But uh, yeah. that was the only... Yeah. But, but, um, uh, but during the, the gun situation, I, what, did he already have the accident? Yeah, yeah. No, that's why... I think that's why... I think before he actually started working for them, he mm-hmm. had an accident. Because they were still in... Because con- he thought he wasn't going to get the contract. Right. His sister is talking about how he was in the hospital bed and he was like, I fucked up because he, he wanted he, the whole the, the crazy strength and conditioning coach slash agent who's like trying to get him all this money and he wanted all that money for his kids. And obviously, he clearly had some different things going on where he spent a lot of money on other things. So I think he, he really thought he really fucked up. So I think I think that's why he went even like... Because they don't go into... Do they? Whose like legit idea that was? I think it was a collaboration of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like if if uh, if Brian doesn't have that accident, that's another reason I said uh, what if uh, ruthless aggression Brian Pillman is like. I feel like if he doesn't have that accident, he still has like uh, what I was saying about. I'm trying to like make this make sense as a linear. So what I was saying about Stone Cold being learning from Brian. I think what Stone Cold learned from Brian was to have the balls to just throw some ridiculous idea out there that works for you in case they say yes. The worst they're going to fucking say is no. You can mm-hmm. still work. You know they're going to send you out there and do whatever they want you to do. So say some crazy shit and see if they, uh, any story you ever hear about Vince McMahon and you even hear it today like uh, with guys that are training and trying to get into WWE they uh, a lot of the guys that have been to seminars with and stuff like that pop Vince you uh jr tells that story about brian pillman coming up at the party and be like hey motherfucker like just fucking pop vince so like and then the strength and conditioning coach said what do you do with a horse (laughs) dude it was too much i i i had to rewind that part a couple times i thought it was fucking this guy's so intense like i wish he was a booker or like a manager or something like that guy's so amazing um they should Get him at CCW. Get that drink. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so I think uh, Stone Cold had that even more confidence than he already did because of Brian. And he was able, even after Brian was gone, you look at a lot of stuff that Stone Cold did. And it's very Brian Pillman-esque. It's, it's uh, when he took his ball and went home, when he got pissed about other stuff, when he, when he, would, when he would be very... Uh, abrasive about about ideas and stuff i feel like that was all brian and i feel like brian without that accident has that same confidence all the way until he retires because that was really the main injury he had always had injuries but really the injuries from the accident were the reason he wasn't gonna really work that much longer i mean yeah i mean when he came back he came back he wrestled gold dust and he got hurt again and he, yeah, dude, that's painful to watch. And you don't notice it as a fan. I, I, I actually watching this documentary because, uh, because you know the angle and you know Brian Pillman's story. So like you, I always just assume that that's how they work the match. So he could, like that, that was stuff Brian did because that was what he felt safe doing and he knew how to work it to where he can fucking sell it, but not really fuck himself up. Well, but he sold it, he sold it even before the match because remember he comes, he came down with a cane. Right, right. So he always twirled the cane. So you were like, oh, maybe something is wrong with his foot, you know, and but everything again, like that. And that's just like, a, that's like a little bit like maybe that helps him, you know, like it gives his leg a little break before he has to go for 10, 15 minutes. But like a Willy Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm sorry. You're not seeing my face, ladies and gentlemen, because the idea of Brian Hillman coming to the ring all badass with a cane and then going to the center of the ring with a cane and then just falling back like Sri Lanka and then just fucking yeah. whipping up or something. Dude, somebody has to do that now. If somebody has a gimmick with a cane, please fucking do that. But, uh, dude, yeah. So I always thought, even like as a, as, as a guy that kind of, is into like the behind the scenes of the business and all that stuff. I always thought that that was just a, that was something Brian agreed to because that, that's how he felt like he could sell it and kind of not blow himself up or hurt himself in the ring. But dude, finding out that uh, he was just going hard because he was like, fuck it. Like, it's crazy, crazy to me. Um, but that goes like, that's the thing. Like, I feel like uh, that accident really, like, like I said, like, like we were talking about like uh, his, uh, his in-ring work, like as far as the, the worker he was, great worker but he had a specific style to work which i really feel like uh the wwf from 97 going forward they just added more people that would absolutely complement that style like a lot of a lot of wwf was really good at having great matches in that time but with the gaga yep now it's too it's it was almost like a perfect balance of 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 circling and, and this bullshit but then when they really got down to it it was it was psychology and it was that was very important to them so I feel like his his work style would have carried him through, and especially after 2000 when they started, they don't really start really really taking care of guys in the WWE until like 06 or 07. But mm-hmm. I feel like they started a little bit after after a lot of the there was a lot of publicity stuff that happened in between in the 2000s that they were trying to uh, get away from, and they were being publicly traded. So I feel like his career. I feel like he honestly could have had a retirement match with Shawn Michaels when Shawn Michaels did that that run in 0304 is what I feel like the length. I don't think he could have went further than that, but because I think he would have gotten some very real injuries along the way. Right. But I feel like his confidence would have carried him to like a no doubt Hall of Famer. But that accident fucked up the confidence he has. Because you look at Stone Cold. Stone Cold, you look at his run, he really stops wrestling at like his retirement matches the uh, WrestleMania 19 03, right? Yeah. And you still have memories of Stone Cold for the next six years. Solid ones of him stunning people, <clears throat> running out, doing shit. Like his last his last WrestleMania was um Scott Hall, right? No, no, it was it was the one that was 18. And then he did uh the cause uh because the rock comes out and says he's never beat Stone Cold at a WrestleMania and he challenges him. And then they have that WrestleMania 19 match, which I don't, I don't really like that WrestleMania. That's probably one of my favorite matches at that WrestleMania. That and uh, Chris Jericho versus Sean is definitely mm-hmm. a great match. But uh, um, yeah, dude, I feel like Stone Cold, the attitude and the, the success that Stone Cold was able to have for the rest of his career was the confidence that Brian would have had if he had not had that accident. Yeah. And um, I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Because there's so many, you know, that we go back to this. There's so many what ifs. Um, like we can play a what if game. If Brian did, what if Brian didn't get hurt, he could have been one of the fifth members of the Radicals. You know, and did a turn where he goes to DX after the screw job. Yeah, and or he could have um, had great matches with Chris Benoit outside of WCW. He could, I think he would have had a hell of a match with Saturn. Him and Saturn would could have had a feud that lasted months instead of that Saturn dropped. He was a dungeon guy. I feel like that would have actually helped Saturn uh, not end up with a with a mop. But uh, right, and wear a dress. Yeah, like I feel. Well, I mean, maybe he would have done that anyway. But uh, but I feel like they would have had because because he's a Stu Hart guy. So like, 
you know he can keep up with guys like that. And he probably, the older he got, he would have probably, he probably would have preferred to do like grappling and like like really like technical matches because that saves you, that lets you hold, that lets you sit, that lets you fucking, it's not, it's not as much like, I feel like that would have been a whole different aspect of his career. But unfortunately, what you got the gun thing and uh, and I felt like the, um, which I mean, that's where it ends is, is with his feud with Goldust. But I felt like that was really legitimizing gold dust. There was yeah. like, uh, as a kid, obviously I didn't notice it, but, but growing up and, and learning uh, and looking at the behind the scenes of the time, I feel like gold dust. Uh, I mean, gold dust figured out a way to get over regardless, but I feel like in the eyes of the office, that gimmick was a little dangerous for them. Yeah. So I feel like that whole bright, having somebody else just as crazy, but like not as like, like um it's not flamboyant uh adrogenist yeah yeah so so not as not as adrogenous but uh, adrogenous but uh but uh but like the same kind of like kind of like counterintuitive but like it mm-hmm. just as crazy so mm-hmm. i feel like that would have really turned into like a way bigger thing well i mean if you remember how it started is um brian pillman had uh interest in marlena well because that was a shoot too Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he stole Marlena from Goldust. So Goldust mm-hmm. dropped that flamboyant character for a little bit. He was still Goldust, yeah. but he just wasn't as flamboyant and it, it showed a different side of Goldust. You remember the uh I mean you obviously do, but like you do you like like how do you, what are your thoughts on the uh like he kidnapped her basically was the angle. He kidnapped her and he forced her and they were playing on this thing where she was into it though, or she was just fucking with Goldust, but like also she like had her hair slicked back and she was like dressed different like they don't did all this dark borderline dark shit um do you think that that was that's not a, a big deal today because I, I i literally they didn't even mention that in the documentary but um maybe goldust didn't want to, i don't know but uh but that is trumped by the gun gimmick because i feel like they're both just as dark I mean, it is because, I mean, you don't see on live TV someone pulling a gun out. <laughs> but you also you know, see on live TV somebody defending themselves for kidnapping somebody's wife. I mean, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of police chases with carjacks and people still in, in the, you know, in the car. But I guess uh, we grew up in that cops era. We're just, we're just yeah. Like, but I mean, that Marlena, like, storyline was pretty, I mean, like you said, it was pretty, like, raunchy because... Yeah. You know, they would go back to they, the first started off in like a hotel room or a bedroom, and it looked yeah, like yeah. he was forcing himself on top of her. Then, like towards the next, you see she was going along with it, you know, and everything. Right, so right. It, she still looks like kind of brainwashed, and she still yeah. like, dude, you can tell like uh, there's certain there's always certain times where you can tell Jr. is uh, is trying to do his best, but he feels like it's not the right course of action. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think he did it in the gun thing. I think he, I, but I think there were times where they're like, they're commenting on like the promo and like, then they cut to the video and like, I, I don't think JR was about it, which is, which makes it even more real, you know? But, uh, but yeah, that was super dark. And I feel like, uh, I feel like they had to, again, if he's healthy, I feel like that culminates in a really awesome, like fucking cage match or like some match where it's just insane, but he couldn't work that way. So it was just a, a it was it was weird because you you remember it and you're like they're going so dark and so hard, but for like a mid card thing like yeah, like I, yeah that, that's the only thing about that like because I thought that was great and unfortunately that's obviously 
they don't even get to finish it out because he wears the dress and then does he even wear the dress he's supposed no. to dress and he didn't show it yeah yeah and you know and to i mean we're done with basically brian pillman's run and we'll talk about a couple things here and there but i feel like we really need to unpack certain characters in this because i i still want to talk about i i was really I was really happy with, with what uh, Brian Pillman Jr. said. I was really happy with, with what the daughters said and how even keeled they are. Uh, the, the one daughter seems a little still, uh, you can tell like- uh, You stand offish a little bit about she it. onto some trauma, but I feel like she's, uh, because of who her mother was, they all had different mothers. So I feel like her mother was, I think she got it from both sides, which was really unfortunate. And, uh, and then the stepdad part, but like, I obviously want to unpack the fucking coach, but- uh, like the coach this the sister is an amazing human being like it was, it was like held her shit like like obviously takes care of everybody like uh even even you could tell when she was talking about brian and like the, the hospital room and all the stuff that where she had facial expressions where even you could tell like back then when it was actually happening and he was alive she would get upset with him and and be like the bigger sister and be like why are you why are you fucking doing and you know what's crazy is you're, you said about the sister being so like genuine and 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 just pick up the pieces when it's all said and done you know brian outside the ring it was documented on this on this episode brian outside the ring was a playboy he got around yeah because she just chuckles she's like they all got different mothers yeah and and he met this you know this one smoke show you know he finds out that she's pregnant they get married or they're together or something like that brian's out on the road and he meets a stripper yeah. you know and the other half, so it but he still took care of that first kid took care of all of them took care uh, of them. you know it's it, so even though he knew he fucked up he had to take care of that kid yeah yeah and i feel like it's uh i feel like the sister's personality color like you can tell they're they're they they grew up in the same house it sounds like brian was very much the same very mm-hmm. able to take responsibility for his actions and and do what he needed to for his family obviously he liked to make a lot of bad decisions and the sister was more the the even keeled um person but they, they seem very much the same where where they know what's important which is really why i feel like uh those kids the sister the both sisters and uh and the son, and brian pillman jr are so able to fucking be awesome is because of her and I, I want to talk more. I, I do like, I feel like that's a huge part of the episode because I also feel a huge part of the episode is, uh, is Melanie. Like they were, they, they started painting her a little negatively, but I feel like she redeems herself a little bit. I know she's, she's in the same boat as Brian where she feels like she fucked up because she was obviously on drugs and stuff like that. And, and, and that was, uh, she was a very self-destructive person, but I feel like, uh, I feel like they evened her out. I was very much waiting for them to just paint her as like, fucking awful and all this well, shit the, you 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 started to allude on that is um the, the really good looking daughter i can't i mean she was very pretty uh the, the, yeah the, the one where uh the, the mom was the one that, that killed herself yes what was her name Kristen or something like that she was very pretty she she paintbrushed melanie like oh well you know she forced it because of all the drugs and alcohol she's just a terrible person it was like a paintbrush slap like yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, yeah, and I you mean, thought you're, you're entitled to feel that way. Like the only one that's entitled to really feel the other way is Brian, and he does. He he ended with that where he's like, "Dude, what am I gonna do? Like, I I don't like you know." Right. Yeah, and you know, and it's come full circle. You know, it just it's, it, 
that's just how it is. And and now when you go into, you know, you further it, you know, I know you said that you want, want to do a second part of this. But, I mean, we we'll just keep going. <laughs> no, that's, uh, Brian Jr. I mean, we watched Brian when, when, you know, we were younger. The way Brian Jr. moves in the ring, his attitude, his mannerisms. Yes, he is bigger than Brian Pillman. Um, but he's just... Uh, it, the the match that he just had him and, and Griff Garrison against the Young Bucks for the tag belts was absolutely I mean phenomenal. And the more he grows into an actual character because he's so young in the business, it's just going to be more and more. And I feel like the awesome thing about that and 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 the thing that I really liked is that he's able to to hold his own when he talks about stuff like that. Is that uh, you get the sense that the more experience he gets in the ring if they bring to him some sort of angle where he's like his dad, he would totally be down to do it. And it would kind of be like an old, like he'd, he'd be all good with it. Yeah. It's crazy as you know, we, you know, we follow him on social media and I think it was last week or the beginning of this week. Um, it was Brian Pillman's birthday and junior Brian junior had an indie show in Pennsylvania and he was wearing that old loose cannon. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know the, the tiger print shirt and he goes repping this for you dad i'm on the indie show for your birthday you know it's like fucking sick dude that's so awesome you don't do that enough dude i had a buddy uh at uh at dory's that would uh on chris candido's birthday he would wear his he would wear his title belt over his neck and do the oh man like that, that's another one can you imagine chris candino and brian Pullman? dude yeah it's fucking crazy but Maybe we don't need it. Well, I mean, we kind of just unpacked it, but uh, yeah. but um, yeah, dude, it's 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 crazy how that unfolded. But you, it's weird. Like you watch the documentary, and there's that you don't uh, like. I don't know about you, but I felt like I watched it and I got the full story. I feel like they didn't fuck with you. I feel like they didn't hold anything back. They showed the mom. They showed how the kids feel about the mom. They did all that stuff and. Uh, and they didn't pull back on Brian's story. There's the, the sister was very matter of fact about Brian and you didn't leave with, with, Oh, why the fuck was he like that? Like you, you leave a lot of these, like, uh, like we were talking about Vince McMahon, like points in Vince McMahon's life where we're like, what the fuck? Like you leave the Owen one. Obviously, mm-hmm. I, at least I do, because I'm like, you didn't need to do that. You, I said it in the episode. You didn't need to have him do that. Right. You didn't need him to fall from the sky. So why fucking do it? But Brian, it's very much that he just, he did a lot of things to himself and it's unfortunate, but I mean, you, you get, you got what you got. And that's why he was so good is because you got what you got. He was loose cannon. Yeah. So, and that's it folks. You get what you get. Yeah. You, what you get. Um, so maybe, so we'll leave it as a cliffhanger. Here's, I'll, I'll do this. I'll do this, Chris. I'll, I'll blame next time you see us, whether you're happy about the next episode or not, we'll blame Joe. So mm-hmm. we'll ask Joe, does he want to see a second episode of Brian Pillman where we unpack the specific characters? We can get into a little of the wrestling, but I feel like we'd have fun uh, going back and forth. And um, Or we can do the, I really want to do the, uh, the Von Erichs episode from okay. the season. Uh, we can also do the uh, Nick Gage, who I didn't even know who that was, but I saw it, 
and holy fuck. And my favorite wrestler is Terry Funk, and I love hardcore wrestling. So I would, I would, I would be so down to do that one. But here you go, those three, Joe, three of them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that Nick Gage one. Well, uh, that was a really good conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. Number two, good conversation. We will see you next week. Check us out on Spotify. Is you can listen to Joe talk about our how- latest episode is James Creed. James Creed is is. An amazing human being, an amazing wrestler. Look out for him. Uh, He's, I mean, big shout out to James Creed. I don't know if you're watching this this far in our episode, but um, sentimental moment, uh, you know, when it was released, I took a screenshot and I tagged him in it on Facebook. And I said, hey, man, look, you know, your your episode's up. I guess it was his mom shared it. And she wrote this long thing, like, your grandparents would be proud of you. You know, people are seeing you in other states and everything like that. It was really cool, you know, to, to see that. And I, I messaged him. I said, hey, man, you're going places, bro. Like, you're really, really going places. And what's great is, in, I think in a couple of weeks in Chicago, Cha-Cha Charlie is going to wrestle up there. And it's on the same card with James Creed. Fuck yeah, dude. Cha- yeah, Cha-Cha wrestles up there. And I am in Chicago, which is wonderful. And I love that city. And uh, I used to live there, actually. And it's a great wrestling town. Fucking awesome wrestling town. Obviously, a lot of the bigger shows have happened. But uh, that's what you get with Chris and Chris. And I just thought of a new ending. We love wrestling, and so should you. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>